Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the How to Hunt Deer podcast, Deer Camp Edition. These bonus episodes will launch each week in October and November and feature myself and Sportsman's Empire podcast hosts from around the country. Follow along as we update each other on recent sightings and deer activity, share strategies we're employing to help us get on deer, and just enjoy a relaxed deer camp atmosphere. Before we jump into the show, I do want to say a quick thanks to our partners. The How to Hunt Deer podcast is brought to you by Tacticam makers of the best point-of-view cameras for outdoorsmen. Tacticam helps you capture your memories from the field so you can relive them like you're back in the moment and so you can share them with family and friends. Their new 6.0 camera features 4K, 60 frame per second footage, up to 8x zoom, a touchscreen display, and one-touch operation. And the best news, you get all of this in a durable, compact, waterproof package. They also just released their Solo Extreme camera that provides all the features you love from your other Tacticam cameras like one-touch operation, HD footage, and a sleek waterproof housing, but in a more budget-friendly option. And of course, Tacticam's point-of-view cameras are supported by an outstanding line of mounts and adapters that will fit your needs whether you're a bow hunter, a shotgun hunter, or a rifle hunter. You can learn more about the 6.0, the Solo Extreme, and Tacticam's full line of products at Tacticam.com. Share your hunt with Tacticam. This episode is also brought to you by Huntworth. Huntworth is making comfortable, durable camo without the sticker shock. This year, I've been wearing the Tarnan pattern, hunting in the piney hills of the southeast and the farmland mosaic of the Midwest, and I've yet to be picked off in a tree. Now, with temps dropping as we get later into the season, I'm rocking their Saskatoon pants, jacket, and vest with the all-new Heat Boost technology, which means more warmth and less bulk. Go check out their Heat Boost line as well as their full line of products at HuntworthGear.com. Now there's one piece of equipment that I use more than any other, and that's my Onyx Hunt app. With top-notch aerial imagery, private and public land boundaries, and the ability to fully customize your waypoints, Onyx helps you scout and hunt more efficiently. On my recent hunt in Wisconsin, I used their elevation exaggeration feature to find the spot within the spot, combined that with their optimal wind feature to show me what the wind was doing in a given location, and used this info to move in and capitalize on an opportunity at a public land bruiser. If you're not already using Onyx, I think you should give them a try. You can find them on your preferred app store and get a seven-day free trial today, or you can check them out on their website, onyxmaps.com. And finally, Deer Lab is the number one trail camera app for hunters and land managers. Deer Lab helps you store, organize, and analyze all of your trail camera data so that you can make data-driven decisions as you target your buck this fall. One feature I really love is their heat map, which uses aggregate data to help you locate where a buck is hanging out most. Go check out their website, DeerLab.com, to learn more about all their awesome features and to sign up for your 30-day risk-free trial with no credit card required. When you're ready to purchase, Use the code HUNTDEER, all caps, to get 20% off of any of their plans. Now let's get into this week's show. Welcome to Deer Camp. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the How to Hunt Deer Podcast, Deer Camp Edition. 
And in camp with me tonight, I've got Mr. Nate Thomas from the Missouri Woods and Water Podcast. Nate, welcome to the show, man. What's up, man? I uh, I finally make it to one of these, and like everybody else doesn't show up. Uh, does that say something <laughs> about me? Well, or this you know, season? I didn't want to say anything, but a couple of guys texted me earlier, and they were like, "Hey, we heard Nate might be coming, so I think we're just gonna not come." So, yeah, I know that's a lie, though, because I never tell you if I'm coming or not. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. There's always You're always the question mark. But, man, I'm glad you made time for it. And, you know, honestly, I'm glad that we've got a little bit of a concentrated time as well because we haven't gotten to talk a lot about the Missouri Woods and Water podcast. You guys are killing it over there. You have been. I think you're on episode, what, like 140 now? Uh, I think the next one will be 134. 134. Yep. So you guys are getting up there. Um, you've got an incredible following. You're building an awesome brand and you guys are some serious deer hunters. So, uh, pumped to have you on, but yeah, you're right. We're right here kind of in smack in the middle of like, I know Nick Otto, he's probably out chasing deer this week. Uh, Andrew Muntz, he's been on here quite a few times. He and Paul are up at deer camp in uh, real deer camp in person deer camp where you actually shoot things, uh, on Drummond Island in Michigan, which is probably not where I'm going to try to go kill a deer. Uh, low deer densities in the UP, but hey, you know, more power to them. Um, so yeah, man, it's uh, it's just me and you tonight, but why don't you kick it off, Nate, by telling me a little bit about yourself, about the Missouri Woods and Water podcast, and kind of how in the world did you guys come to do that? I always love hearing people's story of how they found their way uh, to being part of the empire. Long live the emperor. <laughs> all hail Dan, all hail Dan. Um <laughs> So, like you said, my name is Nate Thomas. I'm one of the hosts of the Missouri Woods and Water podcast. Um, we started our podcast on, actually, it's easy to remember, Memorial Day 2020. So, maybe 2019. Actually, not. I know it was Memorial Day, but I can't remember how many years ago now. So, uh, actually, yeah, we'll be three years old this year. So, it's 2020. Okay. So, um, I've... You know, I grew up, I born and raised in Missouri. Um, I didn't start, I'm kind of the, the odd one in our group. I didn't start uh, hunting until I was in my late teens, early 20s. Um, I, I started dating a girl whose family was a farm family and hunted, and they got me into it, and I've been ate up with it ever since. She probably regrets um, introducing that part of uh, her life to me. <laughs> and... <laughs> um, the podcast started, you know, kind of interestingly enough, uh, I was actually on Dan's show, Nine Finger Chronicles show in 2018 about a buck I killed. Um, it's actually the buck that is our logo. Uh, interestingly enough, we, uh, we kind of use that as a logo. So our Micah, one of my co-hosts is his uh, cousin is a graphic designer and he drew that logo based on my deer. Nice. So anyway, I was on Dan's show. I had a lot of fun. Um, he said I did a good job and me and Micah and Andy were kind of doing this thing at the time. Um, and among some other buddies, Pat, Garen, we called it dead to rights outdoors. We didn't really know what we were. We didn't do anything, but we had a Facebook page, um, but we didn't do anything. You know, we didn't film our hunts really. We didn't know what we were. We, we were nothing, honestly. Um, we just had a really cool room. I really enjoyed it. But anyways, um, Dan just kind of, he's like, dude, you did a good job. You should start a podcast. And at the time I was a little scared about it. Uh, 
I actually ended up having a phone conversation with um, one of the guys with Landon Legacy, Adam Keith, gave me some um, some information and some some advice at the time, and we I just didn't do it. I was nervous to do it. Fast forward a few years, Dan, hey, he's like, hey man, I'm I'm wanting to to grow this, you know, I'm wanting to do some stuff, and you know, you're in one of the states I want. You should try it out, and so. Honestly, I had a conversation with Andy and Micah and I said, you know, if I were to do this, I don't want to do this alone. I feel like what we have as a, as a group of friends and family is what makes us fun. If I were by myself, I think it would be less fun. So we decided to give it a shot and spend a couple thousand dollars on some equipment and give it a go. And 134 episodes later, we're having as much fun today as we did when we first started it. Man, and you guys, so, so 134 weeks, you guys have not Correct. missed a single week. Knock on wood, not yet. Yep. Dude, that's awesome, man. That That's quite a run. Like, I started as an every other week guy and then went into the every week. And I've had times where, uh, you know, I miss an episode or something like that and Dude, what a grind to Yeah, I honestly we've made it this far. I would like to make it to 200 without missing one. You know. <laughs> um Dan uh, Dan gave me some advice when we first started. And he, he he's like consistency is what matters. Yeah. You know, they yep. want their show. People want their show on the day yours comes out. And you need to be consistent. So I've taken that seriously. Um, we've had some weeks where it's been close, uh, last week being one of them. Cause I totally forgot to send the episode into you. Um, <laughs> yeah, dude, that was so it, funny. I was it, like, Hey man, got a show. And it's like, ah, be right there. You know? Yeah. But, dude, but it you guys like, had it. It wasn't least. even on my reg. It wasn't even on my radar <laughs> to send it to you either. So oh, if funny. you would not have emailed me, it was not coming, <laughs> but, um, that's what hunting season does to you. You know, that's oh, the hardest yeah. time to get shows done is when you're hunting your ass off and you're trying to get shows done, it's difficult to do. And we don't even do like video, you know, things like that, which, you know, like guys like the hunting public and, you know, Heartland bow hunter that are in our area, they're, they're sitting there video and stuff. And then they got to remember to do their shows their podcasts, whatever. Um, that's hard. You know, it's hard enough for us to do just with a podcast. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, Tell me a little bit about the desire to target Missouri. I mean, obviously that's where you guys are, but when it comes to doing a podcast to starting one specifically, you know, you've got that choice at the beginning that you've got to make. Like, am I going to target my market or, you know, my area, or am I going to try to come up with something, you know, like this dead to rights outdoors? Like, would it be dead to rights outdoors podcast or, or whatever? What made you guys say, Hey, Missouri woods and water is the way to go, which by the way, if you're listening to this, and you haven't caught the Missouri Woods and Water podcast, like, yeah, it's tailored for folks in Missouri, but it's 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 relevant for everybody. Like, Yeah, and, but not really almost. You know, like, there's some times that it's really specific to our state. Yeah, yeah, sure, not. sure. But it's like, you know, I'll, I'll blame that one on Dan again. Okay, all right. Let's blame Dan yeah, for um, everything, actually. But we'll just, yeah. we'll make a list tonight of the things we can blame Dan for. All hail Emperor Dan, like I said. Uh, no, it was, he and I were having conversations about what we were going to like be, uh, what we were going to name ourselves, you know, what, what were we going to be? Cause there, you can go two ways really. You can, 
you can have a, um, I'll call it a broad name just because I don't know how else to put it. Right. Um, so like, uh, nine finger chronicles wired to hunt the nomadic outdoorsman, you know, names that don't necessarily put you in an area. Yep. You know, if you didn't know that Dan lived in Iowa, you wouldn't know where nine finger chronicles is from. Um, you know, that sort of stuff. Uh, or you could be someone who is easily recognizable as to who they are. Um, and Dan kind of thought it was a good idea. And, you know, through some thinking, I thought, you know, Missouri is a huge hunter state. There's a large number of hunters in our state, one of the biggest in the country. And if people know when they listen to our show, those are the guys from Missouri. Those are the guys from that area. Um, it just identifies us a little better. Yep. So that's why we decided to name ourselves that. Um, you know, Dead to Rights, I still love that name. I think it's a great play on words. You know, obviously it was made because, you know, that, that deer is dead to rights. I've got him, right? Yep. That's kind of the idea. And uh, our buddy Garen made a really cool logo back in the day for it. He drew it himself. But if we were named that, the question you'd always be asked is, who the hell is, what is that? Yeah. What is, what is dead to rights? Well, it's some guys from Missouri doing a podcast. You have to explain what we are. Yep. Until you get bigger, right? Nobody asks who Wired to Hunt is now. Everybody <laughs> knows who Mark is. Yep. Or working class bow hunter. Nobody has to ask who they are. But uh, I'm not either of those. I probably never will be. So um, that's why we kind of decided to go with just where we're from, like be true to where we're from and who we are. Yeah. So. Yeah. Man, I, I haven't had the opportunity to hunt Missouri yet, but I do know that Missouri is also a big destination state for folks. So not just folks that actually live there, but folks who want to go hunt there. So growing up in the South, Missouri was kind of one of those places we always talked about wanting to go. Uh, Missouri and Kentucky specifically, because those are kind of the first like big buck states that we could get to, you know, driving up from South Alabama or in Louisiana where I lived, like Missouri was like the first true Midwestern experience where you have a chance of really running into, you know, some of those Midwest quality bucks, you know what I mean? And, and it's right. accessible, so you have so many people. One of the things that I found cool hosting a state-specific show is the community that is created around that, right? Like, we've got, you know, listeners now who are starting to interact with each other, guests who are starting to interact with each other, and it's like, oh, man, they're starting to recognize people who are regulars on the show and that kind of thing. Like, there's this whole, I guess, community aspect that, that comes around it that I haven't quite seen from, you know, the how to hunt deer podcast or whatever, just because it's more national, it's more general. And we're trying to get, yeah. you know, a different, just a whole different brand uh, and a whole different niche, I guess you could say that we're going for. So tell me a little bit about the show. Like who do you guys try to have on? Um, what's your focus? Like how often are you doing, you know, a broad appeal, like a Zach Farinball talking about hunting from the ground. And then how often are you doing like, Hey, Missouri specific kind of stuff. Uh, I, w I would say most of the time our appeal is more broad than it is just to the state. Yep. Now, a lot of our guests are coming from Missouri. Uh, we, we have a segment of our show. It still comes out the same time every week as our normal show, but we call it Tales of the Chase. And it's a, a campfire story, you know, essentially. And a lot of those folks are people from Missouri that we talked to that killed something cool or had a, a really cool story um, or people that are – 
know, very from the area of like we had a dude on Chase Watson a couple weeks ago who shot a giant buck and then also fell out of his tree stand right afterwards. Um, Dude, that was a crazy story. (laughs) It really was. He lives just south of the boot hill, like right there in Arkansas. So one of the farms he hunts borders Missouri. So, you know, a lot of the folks we have on are from our area, but a lot of times it's a generalized subject. Um, You know, what's cool is, and I I don't want to bore people with statistics, but I look at our, our download numbers and like, you know, percentages in our top states and stuff like that, you know, out of all the states, only 30, 36% of our downloads come from the state of Missouri. Yeah. So that means the remaining, what is that? 64% of our downloads come from the rest of the states, which obviously, so obviously Missouri is our the largest state by far, but um, we're not, you know, just localized to what the state of Missouri is doing uh, yeah. at all times. So that's, what's kind of cool about it. Yeah. Tell me what are some of those other states? I'm curious. With the Wisconsin podcast, it's the same same kind of thing. I think it's probably 40 45% is Wisconsin. We get a lot uh-huh. of folks from PA listening. We get a lot of folks from Minnesota, a lot of folks from Michigan, uh, kind of the upper Midwest and then kind of scooting over towards the east a little bit. So I'm curious what you guys see. So I'll, I'll see if you can guess it. Guess what our number two state is. <sighs> number two state. Um, Illinois. Illinois is number two for us. Is it okay? See, I have zero people from Illinois, and it could be the whole That's Wisconsin crazy. Illinois like feud. Maybe, yeah, they hate each other. Yeah. It's kind of hilarious, but um, yeah, we get basically no one from Illinois downloading the show. That's weird. Yeah, yeah. Our number three state is Kansas, which makes sense yep. uh, because we live near Kansas City, so you know we we know a lot about the KC area. We're you know just it makes a lot of sense. Uh, our number three, four states, actually Texas. Um, and weirdly enough, and I still can't figure this out. Our number five state is California. Dude, Texas and California. When, when the Wisconsin show was smaller, they were like, they were up there at number two and number three before we started getting a lot of listeners from like Minnesota and Michigan tuning in. And it was so (laughs) weird. I was like, why are you listening to this from California? But I guess there's probably a lot of transplants. A lot of folks who have moved to California. that's what someone was telling me one time. There's a lot of people that aren't from there that are living there and, you know, probably are missing back home or missing stuff, uh, missing to be able to, I don't know, even have a firearm in that state or whatever the hell has to go on in California. <laughs> but, um, you know, it makes sense, but I just thought it was always, I, I always get a kick out of looking at that stuff. Not that it really matters, but it is interesting. Yeah. So thank you to my other states, you know, Illinois, Kansas being awesome, Texas. Yeah, man, I'm glad to hear somebody from Illinois is listening to something because I was looking at my numbers. I'm like, dude, these people, like, I, I thought for sure I'd get, at least get, like, the northern half of Illinois or something. No, they're not interested. They do not care about That's Wisconsin funny. one bit. But That's so funny. the show you were on with with Dan, the very first one you did, is that the one where you went into, like, how you name your bucks? No, that was back in 2018. Okay, um, that was before that one then. Oh, actually, it was that one. Okay. Yeah. So I remember was, listening uh, to that show totally. forever ago where you were telling the story like of naming bucks after the Mortal Kombat characters, yep. right? So tell me a little yep. bit about that. I'm, I'm, I'm curious, and I, I just I love that. It, it gives bucks such cool names, I feel like. So it really started because I, the two farms I hunt, I hunt with one brother-in-law, and then the other farm I hunt is um, Andy – and I do a lot together there. 
also like throughout the summer when we're seeing bucks, I got, I hate being like, you know, that 10 pointer with the crab claw or the big eight or the little eight. I hated doing that. Micah doesn't give a, a shit about saying stuff like, like he hates <laughs> nicknaming deer. He makes fun of me for it. And I understand it, but I hated trying to explain my deer every time to like Russell or Andy. So I'm like, Hey, we should start nicknaming them. I think that's fun. We should have fun with it. And, and then, you know, Russ was like, yeah, let's do it. And so we'd see this, this buck on camera and we'd be like, all right, what's his name? And I would go, um, shit, uh, Bob, I, I, I'm not very creative basically. <laughs> so I had to think of like, okay, well, I know Mark Kenyon used to name his bucks after boxers, Yep. which is where I first kind of thought about naming, nicknaming deer. I, I remember he was after a deer for a long time named Holyfield that he was, I don't think he ever killed him, but you know, like I heard the story of Holyfield a lot back then. And so I'm like, okay, well, what do I like that has badass names that I can nickname my deer? And when I grew up, I grew up and I played the, the, the video games on Sega Genesis, Mortal Kombat. And I watched the movies and all those characters have badass names. Yeah. And so I thought, all right, that's what we'll start doing. I'll just start na- nicknaming my deer after Mortal Kombat characters. And for the most part, all my deer have that name. Now, if there's something about a deer that's easy to come up with some sort of name, I'll, I'll name it that. Like, uh, well, for instance, actually, Russell and I have a deer right now that we know. The one I told you I passed on a few days ago. Yep, yep. Um, his nickname is Holyfield because he has a giant chunk out of his right ear. Ah, so, okay. you know, it was easy to be like Holyfield, you know, cause Evander had his ear eaten by Mike Tyson. <laughs> um, but if I can't think of a name quickly, it's like, all right, what Mortal Kombat character do I not have? All right, that one go. Nice. So that's, that's how I name him. Hey guys, just want to take a quick minute to let you know that the how to hunt deer podcast is brought to you by Tacticam makers of the best point of view cameras on the market for hunters and anglers. They're on the cutting edge, making user-friendly cameras, to help the everyday outdoorsman share your hunt with friends and loved ones. Their new 6.0 camera has a ton of upgraded features this year, but the one I'm most excited about is the new LCD touchscreen. In my mind, that's a total game changer. And one area Tacticam really shines is with their mounts and adapters that are made with the sportsman in mind. If you've tried to film your hunting and fishing excursions in the past, you know how frustrating it can be to get an action camera aimed just right or get it attached to your weapon or in a good spot for a second angle. Well, Tacticam makes all of that a breeze with their line of accessories. This fall, I'll be using their stabilizer mount on my bow with a 6.0 camera and their bendy clamp paired with the 5.0 wide camera for a second angle and to make sure I don't miss any of the action. To learn more and check out their full line of products, head over to their website, Tacticam.com. Share your hunt with Tacticam. Who are the two bucks behind you? Do they have names? Yeah, that Scorpion right okay. there. Yep. And that's Noob Sabbath. Dude, that's awesome. Both Mortal Kombat characters. Dude, very cool, man. So break down your season for me. We're sitting here November 17th now. You guys are in the throes of rifle season, however you feel about that um, in Missouri, which, you know, that that can be a hotly debated topic. How has your season gone so far this year? I've had a weird season. Like, this has been one of the weirdest seasons I've had in a long time. Uh we have had, so the area that I hunt over the summer had a really, really bad drought. Um, it got really dry here. Um, so that we are every, 
ever officially in a drought. We might've been, but then we'd get a little bit of rain, but like I was mowing my yard. Like it was November in the middle of July. I was mowing like once every three weeks. Um, you know, it was dry. Uh, I talked, a buddy of mine is a, uh, owns a lawn and landscaping business. Uh, and he, he mowed like a third of the times that he did last year because of this drought that we had. So, I don't know if we had EHD hit, which I did not hear about, or what was going on, but I started not seeing as good of trail cam pictures as I normally would have before. And both of the properties that I hunt are not where the bucks live. They're where the bucks travel at points in time. So it made me think that the bucks just weren't really moving around as much as they normally would because of how dry it was and it was really hot. So, um, anyways, fast forward to the season. I hunted pretty hard. Um, I, I did not hunt for the first probably three and a half weeks of the season here. And then mid October hit and I started hunting harder. Um, you know, I mean, I've had opportunities. I've just decided not to pull the trigger or let an arrow fly for one reason or the other. Um, I'd like to shoot deer that are four, uh, or older at this point. Um, and I don't really care so much about score. Um, that's not something I really care that much about. I just, I'd like to, I'm after a mature whitetail at this point. And yeah. so, you know, I just not had it happen and I might not have it happen based on what I saw this summer and, uh, what I've been seeing throughout this season. Uh, Andy had a, uh, killed a buck on opening morning of rifle season. Uh, our good buddy Pat killed one the night before. Uh, so that Friday night with his bow. So we had a really fun, like 12 hours as a group together. Uh, Cause I got to see both those deer and got to help Pat find his. And, you know, we've had a lot of uh, family and friends have some good deer. So it's, it's really been a cool season as far as that goes. Um, me and Micah had a really fun hunt together where we, we both had a possible opportunity at a really mature whitetail. He was just better than we were and we couldn't get shots at him. So, um, that was a lot of fun, but you know, had some opportunities, seen some deer, seen some really cool stuff. Just haven't made it happen yet. This, if I kill a deer, it'll be the latest I've killed a, a whitetail, uh, hunting in my career, I guess you'd call it. Wow. Okay. So, I All usually right. have it done before now. Yeah. Yeah. So man, what you you recently have had some adventures where you have branched out from the farms that you're used to hunting onto some public. I don't know what your experience hunting public was was like before that, um, but I'm curious to hear kind of what you've been learning and what that has has opened up for you. I mean, I'm a guy. I primarily hunt public. Like hunting deer on private ground is kind of a rarity for me these days. Uh-huh. What has that transition been like for you? What have you learned? Like, what it, has it has it awakened this new like drive? Do you feel freer on public, or is it just like, eh, it's something I'm doing because I just don't have the deer I'm after on the properties where I'm hunting? It's it's kind of a little bit of both. Um, I I want to know more about these public properties that I want to target. Um. At the same time, I don't like not knowing anything about them. So I, like you said, I've hunted 
uh, a piece of public a few times this year. And boy, I'll tell you, I did not like not knowing what I was going to see. Like it, it bothered me that I wasn't educated other than a map on what I was getting ready to go see. And I think that's because I've been hunting private for the past five years now. So like, I know everything about the properties I'm hunting. I know how I need to access. I know how I want to attack a deer if he's doing something. I, I know I don't know everything or I'd kill a deer in two seconds, but I feel like I have a good grasp on those properties, right? Well, this public piece, I'd never even stepped foot on it. So like I would, I would pick a spot on the, on the, the map and I would say, I would like to try this. And it, it wouldn't be what I thought it was. And then I, my OCD doesn't allow me to enjoy that. Right. Like I enjoy <laughs> being out there and I enjoyed hunting. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. But it bothered me that I didn't feel like I was making the decisions that I normally would because, you know, it's free. I've got to get set up somewhere. What, what am I doing? You know? And then I would, so I'm definitely going to do some scouting this winter. Um, if nothing else, just seeing the places, getting more comfortable with them. Um, I plan on going to a lot of public ground this winter and just checking them out. You know, Hey, I kind of like this spot, kind of like this area. Um, I don't really like this, maybe cross some stuff off. I don't know anything about the hunting pressure in any of these spots. And I frankly don't really care. Um, I probably will not hunt them during rifle season right now, at least. Uh, cause that kind of freaks me out a little bit to oh, be yeah. wrong, but <laughs> nah, I'm with um, you on that, man. I, I love guns. I love, I love our right to bear arms. I don't necessarily like having other people with guns who are hiding around me. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I, I, hear you. I, I just hear don't you. get into that. So, um, it's been great. It's just, uh, like we talked to Zach Fairball a few weeks ago and every time I went and hunted that public land, I, I was on the ground. And right now, that's probably how I'm going to attack it. Um, just because, like, dude, I don't know about you. I don't know how you run and gun. But every time I run and gun, I run into a problem. Yeah. Like, it's, it's the morning, so it's dark, and, I, and I, I get really anal about being quiet. And so the first time metal clangs something, I get pissed off. Or, you know, if I haven't been in this area, I, I hang this tree. I finally get up, I get set up and then the sun comes out and I'm like, I don't have any shooting lanes. Mm, yeah. You know, you just, I feel like I always run into a problem when I'm, when I'm hanging and hunting somewhere. So I've either got to get better at that, which might mean a different stand or a, even a saddle, or maybe some different sticks, but like, I don't feel like I'm bad at it. I just feel like where I hunt, maybe I'm wrong, but where I hunt, we have shit for trees. Yeah. Like it's thorny locust, it's hedge, it's trees that are, you can't even put your arms around. So like, I feel like my options are limited. I feel like I'm a lot more free on the ground, but at the same time, I enjoy being elevated. So it's, it's like a, I got to figure something out if I'm going to continue pounding public land in the future. Um, Cause I haven't figured out like, how much I love ground hunting compared to just how much I hate running and gunning stuff. I don't know. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I'm curious when you carry in a stand. So I've, I've been hunting primarily out of a saddle, uh, really exclusively out of a saddle, unless I'm on my parents' property where there's a, you know, a, a stand that's already there for me to go climb up into. Um, 
do you feel the obligation? Like if you carry a stand in, are you like, I'm getting in a tree no matter what? Cause that's something that I've always wrestled with. Like when I, back in the days when I used to carry a climber or something like that, you better believe I'm getting in a tree somewhere, but wearing a saddle in, it's like, it frees me up where I'm, I'm okay with sitting on the ground and throwing my stuff next to me. But if I've got a tree stand on my back, you better believe I'm getting in a tree somewhere. Do you feel that same thing? Uh, I did, um, I guess at first, but there was one in particular hunt. I think we talked about this on our show with Zach. I picked this area and I'm like, all right, I know I need to be here tonight. I feel like, like he's going to come down this way. So I get there and every tree in that area is garbage shit, (laughs) except for one tree. And it's this really, really old, um, I believe it was an oak. Could have been a, I can't remember, it was an oak or a maple. Old tree, huge tree. And at the time, and I still have these, and I really like these sticks. Have you heard of the Muddy Pro sticks? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I've had some. So they got the rope that goes around the cam, right? Yep. And it's not a really long rope, but long enough for most trees. Well, I get to this tree, and I'm like, all right, I'm about to get up in you. And I go to hang my first stick, and it won't go around the tree. So I'm sitting there going, okay, this sucks. I just carried this heavy ass stuff in and I can't even, so I just sat the stuff at the base of the tree and I ended up sitting behind the tree that night. Um, but it was really because of the, I had to, I didn't have anything else to, to hang in. Um, so I have most of the time when I go stand, I, I will use it, especially if I'm lugging that in. Like, I don't know. Mine's probably a little bit heavier than, than normal. But when I initially started running and gunning, you know, I bought the nice, uh, tree, the tree stand transport system. I think XOP made it back in the day. And it's basically like a pack that you hook your stand to. And then I would lay the uh, seat down on the stand and that's what my backpack would go on. And I would bungee it to me. Now I probably don't pack very light. I probably put a bunch of my stuff in my pack. I don't really need but dude, I felt like I was like packing an elk out by the time I would have the stand, my bag, four sticks. Um, I felt like I had an elk on my back, you know, and <laughs> if you're walking like three and a half miles, that's got to suck Yeah, just to go hunting, you know? So, um, when I hunted public this year, I was straight on the ground uh, and I, I felt really free doing that. That's for sure. Yeah. What are, what are some of the things that you're taking away? So this was my first year. I think I sat more on the ground this past November than I have in a long time. Like I've never done that many sits on the ground um, in one hunt before for sure. But Southern Wisconsin is kind of the same way. You get around these marshes, you just got junk trees. They're either really tiny or they're leaning really, really hard where, you know, getting in it would just be miserable. What are you learning when it comes to your ground setups? Like what are you taking away from where you're like, okay, next year, here's what I'm doing different for my ground setups because of, you know, these few things I've learned. So, well, Zach's show with us really helped out. And honestly, what I would love to do, and I'm not asking him for this, but I would love to just like watch him hunt one day, just like be there with him and see how he makes his decisions, see how he moves through the timber. You know, cause to me, that's the biggest question mark I have is how quickly I should or shouldn't move. Um, you know, the noise you make moving through the timber, whatever. But 
I think the biggest thing is I've noticed that I, I'm actually pretty good at, at staying still when I'm on the ground. Yep. Um, I have a little stool that I, I actually use it for coyote hunting and I put that in my bag. And so when I get set up, I'll put that stool down and I'll, I'll do a really good job of clearing off my area so that I don't make noise if I'm, if I'm set, you know, set up quote unquote. But I spend a lot of my time actually standing up and, you know, using a tree or some backdrop, some vertical horizontal backdrop as something that breaks me up. Um, but I kind of like standing and, you know, Zach talked about like when you do see that deer, he kind of, he kind of likes to dip down or disappear so that, you know, he, he's seen the deer and now the deer really can't see him, gives him a chance to draw if he needs to or whatever. Um, I got to try that a few times this year and like, I'll be honest with you, I could have killed a two and a half year old buck at 15 yards this year on the ground and I did not kill him. Now I practice. Have you ever heard of practice killing the shit out of something? Oh yeah. So I practice killed the hell out of that deer. Uh, you know, like he came in, I, I set up, I crouched down, he put his head down and moved behind some stuff and I drew and he came 20, you know, 15 yards broadside and I did everything but pull the trigger, which you really have to tell yourself, don't you pull that damn trigger. Don't you, <laughs> you know, don't you do it. Yeah. Um, which I just put my finger behind the release, but, uh, it was, it was, I guess, validation that, Hey, this can work. Now he was a two and a half year old buck. He wasn't a five-year-old mature deer. I understand that's going to be different, but it was nice. Like it worked everything that I thought, Hey, I can try to do this. It, it worked. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned there coyote hunting. That's something you guys do a lot of. Tell me about how that became, you know, kind of a passion for you guys. Cause man, when deer season's over, you guys are like putting it on them pretty hard. Man, let's see. I think, so Andy got into it first before Micah and I, for sure. Okay. Um, for me, it was like, at first it was just something to do in the wintertime because there's nothing to do, <laughs> you know, and, and I wanted to stay outdoors. I wanted to do stuff. And, um, I'm trying to remember the first coyote hunt I went on. I think, I think we might've done a coyote tournament together is my maybe might've been the first time I ever did a coyote hunt. And I had so much fun that day. Uh, it was, it was like no other day I've ever had. It was, I think it was snowing that day. We killed like four dogs, which isn't great. But for me, I was like, yeah, this is great. Um, and it's just like any other outdoor thing that you can do. Whitetail hunting, duck hunting, goose hunting, um, fishing, you can spend so much money on coyote hunting just like the rest of it. And we have, um, so then it becomes, okay, well, I'd like to try this myself. I need to get a call. Okay, cool. I'd like to have a gun that is a little better at this. Okay. So I get a gun. Uh, I would like to have a better pack or a better whatever to get in and out of places. And then now we're in this whole suppressor thing, which is just terrific by the way. I love it. <laughs> Other than the fact that I have to wait a year to get the damn thing. But, oh my gosh. um, so, uh, and it's really just become something I really like doing. It's, it's, it's a totally different type of hunting than deer hunting. It's a totally different type of rush when the coyote comes in compared to a, a deer. 
because um, that coyote's coming in to cause harm to what you're pretending to be, mm. whether it's a, a rabbit or another coyote. Um, it's coming in to either see what's going on or to kill what it, you're pretending to be. It's just a different type of rush. Yeah. And um, we, I, I just love it. It's fun. This episode is brought to you by the Onyx Hunt app. Onyx gives you up-to-date landowner information, color-coded public and private land boundaries, and gives you a ton of tools to help you hunt smarter. One tool I'm loving right now is their optimal wind feature, which lets you set the optimal wind for a given location, then tells you in real time whether the wind is good, bad, or just okay for that spot. You can try it risk-free for seven days right now. Just download the Onyx Hunt app on your preferred app store today. This episode is brought to you by Deer Lab, the number one trail camera app for hunters and land managers. Deer Lab gives you a simple way to store, organize, and analyze all of your trail camera data. Deer Lab has tons of great features like the ability to filter photos based on what's in them, like deer or turkeys or people. It syncs your photos with local weather to help you pattern your target. And you can even mass edit your timestamps, which is a great feature if you're like me and you forget to correct the time on your camera. Head over to DeerLab.com now for your free 30-day trial with no credit card required. And when you're ready to purchase, you can use the code WISCONSIN, all caps, at checkout for 20% off of any of their plans. Man, that, that's something that appeals to me a lot. You know, one of the things that I'm kind of starting to realize, so I started turkey hunting a lot like three years ago. And, dude, the, the calling aspect and just all the different things that you do to call a turkey in was like you said, it's a whole different kind of rush. There's a whole different kind of work that goes into it. And it made me realize like, okay, I like hunting whitetails a lot, but what I really like is hunting whitetails during the rut because there's, they're coming in with a different intention. It's either maybe you called them in and they're coming, you know, looking for a fight potentially, or they're on, they're on the prowl for a doe kind of thing. And so I started to realize like there's something about the temperament of the animal that gets me fired up in a different kind of way. Like early season whitetails, it's cool to have a buck walk into a food plot at the end of September or early, or early October. Like that's cool and fine, but you see a buck walk in and just shred a bunch of trees and tear up a scrape. Like there's a whole other element to it. So I'm sure with coyote hunting, it's, it's very similar. Um, yep. but dude, it's a rabbit hole, man. I started looking at it. I'm like, okay, I feel like I need all this gear and you can spend a ton of money especially if you start looking at like some of the stuff for night hunting and and whatnot. And we, Missouri just legalized thermal season or night season two years ago. So I, I got a thermal now, like those are not cheap. Um, no. And so, and, and then, you know, you just have all these like wants. like I would like to have a dedicated thermal gun. I would like to have a dedicated bolt gun. I would, so like you can go down. Yes. I've got like $1,500 worth of calls sitting in my closet right now Oh my gosh. because I don't know. I don't know why. Oh, here's why I had one call go down in the middle of a hunt and oh. it put us in a bad situation. So what did I do? We're never going to be in that situation again. So now every time we go hunting, there's two calls with us. Yeah. And of course I didn't go buy the cheapest one. I went and bought the one I wanted to get. So like it's, it, yeah, it's just, it, it's just as bad my, my brother-in-law is a duck hunter and he, I remember back in the day, him and a buddy bought a trailer together just to have all their duck and goose decoys in it. And then they had like thousands of dollars worth of the decoys in yeah. there. Right. Oh yeah. And I'm like, you bought a trailer for <laughs> that. He's like, yeah, man. And now I can understand it. 
and you know, whitetail hunting, obviously I can understand it. Now I really get it with coyote because it's a very similar addiction to, you know, what I would consider like a goose hunter. You know, it's just like, why would anybody want to go in freezing cold temperatures to kill something that like, I'm not going to eat a coyote. I promise you that. And I don't know about goose hunters. I've, I've heard goose is all right. I've had it a few times and eh, whatever, but like, why would you want to go do that to yourself? Because it's a blast. That's why. Yeah. And you know, at the same time, I'm not like, I don't have any grand like dreams that I am saving the deer herd because for every coyote you kill, there's 10 of them coming. So you can kill 50 coyotes out behind your house. And I promise you, you're going to hear him every night still somewhere, yep. but it can't hurt to kill him, right? Like it can't hurt to go kill 50 coyotes in your area. Sure. Um, there's still going to be just as many as there were before, but there's 50 less now. So like it, it can't hurt with predation a little. So it, it's part of it too. You know, like we, we started seeing like our turkey populations disappear and that might've been why Andy started doing it is because he was tired of seeing all his turkeys die. So he started shooting coyotes. I don't remember what caused Andy to start doing it off the top of my head, but he was the first one out of the three of us. Man. So where, where are you guys going from here? We're, uh, we're sitting at November 17th, like I mentioned earlier. Rifle season's in full swing. You've had kind of a rough go of it. Uh, what's the plan for deer, or are you starting to, is your head starting to shift towards you know, coyotes and whatnot? No, I'm not done with deer. I, uh, I'm actually going to go hunting tomorrow, which I'm sick. So, um, I plan on being out tomorrow. Hopefully I'm, my cough doesn't get to the point where I can't do it, but I plan on going tomorrow and I plan on going this weekend. Um, if I had to say what my goal was for the rest of this deer season at this point, I would rather just get one of my sons a deer. Okay. Um, so my son, Caden, this is his second year hunting. He killed a buck last year. My son, Chase, this is his first year. Um, I'd really love to see him kill his first one. But if I, can, if I can get one of them to kill something, um, I'll be happy. I mean, I'd love to get something, but I've had a really good run the past four years. Uh, I guess the past four years I've, had, I've killed six bucks in the state. So I've tagged out two of them, and I've killed one of the other two. Um, so I'm, I've been on a good run. I don't, you know, if I don't kill something, it is what it is, but I really would love to get one of the boys something. So this weekend, um, hopefully they're feeling better too and we can go hunting and, and I can get one of them something. So that's kind of my goal at this point. Yeah. How, how long does your season run? Uh, rifle season 10 days long. Okay. And what about, what about bow season after that? So our bow season then starts, well, whenever rifle, ends November 20 something. It'll go, it goes all the way to January 15th. Okay. So you still got a lot of time if you want to break the bow back out. Yeah. And there's a few, like there's alternative method season somewhere in there. Um, for us, I've never done it. So I, I couldn't tell you when it is and what you can even do. I know basically you can use, you know, black powder, handguns. A lot of people are starting to use AR pistols, which are basically rifles. So I know there's a lot of complaints about that, but I don't even know when our, our uh, alternative method season is because I've never participated in it. I've always just bow hunted. So um, there's some other 
seasons in there, but archery goes from the end of rifle all the way to January 15th. So yeah, I've still got some time and I'll, uh, I'll do some changing around of things to see if I can get on something. But like I said, if I could get one of the boys on one, um, like for instance, the other night, if my sons were with me, that would have been a great deer. Like they were both sick. So I, I went hunting by myself and I, the whole time I'm sitting there watching that deer thinking, man, I'd love for one of them to be sitting here with me cause they can shoot it and they weren't, uh, but Hey, hopefully we can get something with them. Yeah, man, for sure. For sure. So when it comes to late season, these properties that you hunt, do you, do you have the food or is it, is it just, they're just going to be dead? You think? No, they usually both die. Um, one of the properties, the smaller one in years past, let's just, I'll just pick a date, December, December 15th. I'll just pick a date. That property from December 15th all the way through maybe March 15th won't have a single deer come through it. Like no it just, kidding. They, they're gone. They go winter somewhere else, which if you knew this property would make sense. The other property it's a giant crop area surrounded by other crops and better cover other places. So they, they don't have to worry about food. They've got it all over the place. I have attempted a food plot there. It seems to help a little bit, but as soon as it gets like really, really cold, um, it'll kind of dry up too. Now it doesn't ever lose the deer. They'll be there. Um, but it dries up a little bit too, especially from the buck, from the, the buck angle. It's usually does that stay there. Yeah. So, you know, if I haven't killed something by, let's say, December 10th, maybe I'll just go slay a doe. I, you know, I might get to the point where I'm like, all right, screw this, something needs to die. So, uh, <laughs> you know, we'll see. Yeah, we all get there, man. We, we, we all get there. So tell me about, you know, the, the weeks and months ahead, what's coming down the road for Missouri Woods and Water Podcast. Like, you guys have anything exciting coming up, any new, uh, any guests that you're really looking forward to having on? Any cool stuff you guys are going to be doing winter and spring that maybe you haven't done in the past? So, uh, we're, you know, we're planning on um, doing a lot more deer hunting uh, for the rest of the season. You know, Missouri's a two-buck state. So, like, for instance, even Andy's not done after rifle season's over. Um, he's going to probably break the bow back out. <clears throat> Mike is going to keep hitting it hard. So, we'll be keeping doing that. Um, we're probably going to continue to talk about whitetail for quite a bit longer. We've got some guests that we would love to have on, uh, coming up. Uh, and we'll probably start talking about, you know, we, we try to be a, a broad based show. We try to talk about fishing, bear hunting, which is legal in the state of, or which the state of Missouri now has, uh, elk hunting that we also have now, but you know, it's really hard not to talk about the stuff we love to do. Yeah. Um, uh, especially when there's people in the industry that you would love to talk to. Um, so, you know, it's uh, interesting because, you know, growing up watching these people, uh, Zach is a perfect example. I've been a fan of the way he hunts since I started watching THP. And it was hard for me not to be a fan and, you know, realize that I had to interview the guy, you know, like, so uh, <laughs> there's definitely some big names in the industry that, I would love to talk to, um, but I haven't asked them yet. I'm sure they'll say yes, but, uh, we'll see what, we'll see what we got going. I don't, I don't really know yet. Yeah. And man, right now we're living one week at a time. I'll, sure, I'll dude, be honest with you. <laughs> you, you have to, man. Like 
dude, this time of year has been such a challenge. And, you know, last year I learned it for the first time of like, okay, November rolls around. You're not getting anybody on your show. They're just not coming on. They don't have the time. Um, And I, I should have stockpiled a bunch of episodes for this November, but I didn't do that. So not only was yeah. I str- like kind of scrambling a bit, like, okay, who am I going to have on? But I'm also trying to do my own hunting. So it's like, it's just a complete disaster. You know, I'll, I'll turn the script on you a little bit. I hate stockpiling shows. Yeah. Um, like, I don't like having shows more than two weeks out uh, because, now this maybe is just the way we do it. When we do our intros, like, we are topical to what we're talking about this time of year. So if I record a show that's not going to come out for a month, it kind of, like, it'll be silly to me, you know, I almost have to redo the intro. So we don't really like stockpile shows much outside of like two weeks. Now, when we go on our elk trip, we have to kind of plan for it. But um, do you typically try to do that too? Yeah. So I, I went through a phase where I was stockpiling like four and five episodes where I would have all of my guests, I would basically record with them in one day. And so I would record four or five podcasts in a day, which worked out really well for like editing and like family life and not, you know, stealing too much time from the family to, to do the show. Um, but what I would do is I wouldn't record the intro until the, the week of. So whatever, yeah. you know, if, if something else came up or something that I was always free to kind of talk about whatever was fresh and relevant, but it's just been so hard, man. Like it, it's just tough to, it's tough to piece all that together. It's tough to find a day where I can record for six hours or more, you yeah. know, and you're starting to put all this together. So, um, yeah. So here recently I've been going more week by week. I like to be a week out. Like if I can have one show in my pocket and be recording for that next week, then yeah. that's where I kind of feel comfortable, you know, as far as like, I'm, I'm going to be okay. Um, but man, it was, I agree. I mean, it, it was we super usually nice. like to be there, but dude, there's been times this, this year that I've recorded two days before our show, just because like the three of us have gotten so busy with our lives just outside of the show. Um, that we, we prefer to at least two of us be on the show every week. Yep. So whether that's Andy or Micah, um, and me doesn't necessarily matter. I'd love for all three of us to be there, but at least two of us, so you have to figure out two people's schedule on top of the guests that you're having. And it's, it's sometimes difficult to do. Um, you know, my kids are getting older and they're getting busier and busier and busier with sports and stuff. And it's harder to get stuff scheduled. So there's times where we're just like, listen, Sunday night's the only night we can do it. So that's just when we're going to do it. And uh, my OCD has been very... Um, okay with it. You know, I I thought I wouldn't like that because it's pushing, you know, the border, but, um, I think it's just, it is what it is. So that's the way we, uh, we handle our show is we try not to like, we try not to take our show too seriously. Yeah. We, we, we said when we started it, if we stop having fun, we quit Yeah. because this isn't like, this isn't about making money. This is about enjoying ourselves. Um, learning like we we get to talk to people we would never ever talk to in our lives because we have this show yep and i have learned so much in the last three years just because of this but the one thing we said is if we stop 
having fun, we will quit. So we try not to take it too seriously. And I think that's why we've been able to continue, you know, going. Yeah, man. Well, from the outside looking in, it looks like you guys are killing it. You put out a great show. Um, I enjoy listening to it. So <clears throat> I kind of get a little sneak peek every week because I get to uh, I get to do the upload. So I know what's coming a day before everybody else does typically. Uh, unless I'm texting you, you at, like noon. Yeah. Hey man, you got a you got you got one. <laughs> you get you get to read my horrible uh, my horrible type ups of every show. Oh, do, don't you, you hate don't you hate doing that's those? My least favorite, that's my least favorite part about doing a podcast is Dude. writing writing the uh, what do you call it the the blurb about the show. Yeah, because yeah. if there's one thing I'm not, it's a writer, and I I suck at it so bad. I apologize to our listeners. I know they got to deal with it every week. Uh, that is the worst thing. I'm I'm so bad at it. No, I think that's pretty universal, man. Everybody everybody hates it. And it's funny, this time of year, you know, we all strive to put some meaningful content out there. Like we want, you know, a, a good little block of text to kind of describe what the show's about and kind of give you an overview. Um, this time of year, mine included, everybody's, you know, show notes go from this to like they're shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. You know, I got one the other yeah. day that was like two sentences long, and I was like, "Ah, oh, that's probably not going to cut it." Like, <laughs> at least throw it. Let's at least get a third sentence in there. So I'm just, you know, listening to the show and like adding in. Okay, here's what it's about. Like, here's what you're going to find out. You know, and if this I could do it, man, I'm telling you right now, it would say, "Hey, Josh Riley, how do you say your last name even?" Rayleigh. Rayleigh. We have Josh Rayleigh on with, uh, you know, the How to Hunt Deer podcast. Listen to this shit. That's all I would say. Like if I could say what I wanted, that's what I would say right there. I would say the name of the host or name of the guest and say, listen, you know, I'm just not good at it. Um, I'm not very creative when it comes to typing stuff out. And um, thank God for spell check as well. Yeah. I'm not a good speller. (laughs) Well, man, you guys get the job done. You put out a good show and uh, appreciate all you guys do. Where can folks go if they want to learn more? about you guys and maybe keep up with your, uh, with your season, especially as you're getting into, uh, doing a lot of coyote hunting. I think you guys are like the only ones as part of the sportsman's empire who are really doing much of that. So, you know, if folks are interested in, in seeing more, like they definitely need to tune into your show. Cause they're probably not going to hear a lot about it on other shows. Yeah. Um, well, appreciate you giving me that chance. Um, like, like Josh, we are on the sportsman's empire podcast network. You can actually catch us two different ways. If you really wanted to, you can catch us on the network, which can be found on any podcasting platform. Uh, just search sportsman's empire. Um, and you can also catch us on our very own feed, which is the Missouri woods and water podcast. Uh, that can be found once again on anywhere that you listen Spotify, uh, Apple podcasts, Podbean. I don't really know many other ones Stitcher, they're out there, but, um, and social media wise, we are at Missouri Woods and Water, all spelled out. Facebook, Missouri Woods and Water. Once again, just search it and check us out on Go Wild, which is the only uh, social media app that gives a shit about hunters. Uh, <laughs> That's true. Missouri Woods and Water, and we are on there as well. So uh, you should, if you don't have the Go Wild app, you should check it out. Um, I'm a huge fan of it. We actually had uh, Brad on, who's the owner of the company, a while ago, and. Um, just really enjoy what they're doing for, you know, the outdoor community. Um, you know, I, I've, I've said it before. I'm not a giant fan of social media and it's really just because the social media that we use that we have to use for our shows doesn't like us. Yeah. 
They don't yeah. like us. They don't want us there. It's really hard for me to use something that doesn't like me. Um, and with Go Wild, I, I'm happily on there because they, they want us there. So um, you can check us out there as well. Otherwise, uh, and leave us a review. I, I don't ask that very often, but if you like us, leave us a five-star, right? Yeah, man. If you don't like us, just, just turn it off. That's so helpful. Yeah, that's so helpful for like, and I, I think folks maybe maybe underestimate the value of a review on there, but that is so helpful because those podcast platforms take that into account when you type something in. Like if you just type in something generic and search for it, like if your show doesn't have a lot of reviews, it's not just like if they're five-star reviews. It matters the number of reviews that you have of whether or not that's actually going to get pushed out there. And so... Yeah, man, go go leave the Missouri Woods and Water podcast a five star review, and uh, if you haven't listened to it yet, just leave them a five star before you even get get going. Just go ahead and throw yeah, that. That would be there. great. <laughs> you can't take those back anyway, so that's, that's awesome. That's right. It, it's out there now. It, it's out there in the wild, and you can't take it back. So, well, Nate, man, thanks for joining us for Deer Camp this week. I appreciate it, and uh, looking forward to seeing what you guys put out here over the next couple of weeks. Hey, good luck the rest of your season, Josh. You too, buddy. That's all for this week's episode. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. If you dig this show, be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you get your podcasts. If you could leave us a five-star review, I would very much appreciate that. While you're at it, you can follow along with my outdoor adventures on Instagram at howtohuntdeer. That's also the best way to get a hold of me. Suggest topics that you want to hear, guests you want to hear from, or questions that you'd like me to explore on the show. Big thanks to our partners, Tacticam, Huntworth, Deer Lab, and Onyx. Please go support the brands that support this show and help me bring you great content each and every week. If you're looking for more outdoor content, check out the sportsmansempire.com where you're going to find my other podcast, The Wisconsin Sportsman, as well as a ton of other awesome outdoor podcasts.